say, I live before God. Who cares what you think? Right? I live before God. I'm God's servant. Don't bother me. But the reality is, is there is a possibility or a potential that in our liberty, we could put a stumbling block in front of somebody. We might cause somebody to trip and fall. We might provoke somebody to temptation. So these verses teach us this, that the law of love trumps the law of liberty. We each have differing opinions on what the Bible teaches about things such as tattoos, food, drinking, alcohol. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shares with us that our views on these topics should not cause us to judge those with differing views. However, we also need to be sensitive to the potential of harming another with our opinions. We must always seek to love others first, even if it means giving up some of our own liberty. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message, Living Free. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. You see what Paul does here? Now he brings in the idea of which day you're going to observe as the Sabbath day. There's a lot of questions about Sabbath observance and why we do what we do and all these things. So I'll deal with a little bit more. But the reality is what he's saying is that one person esteems one higher than the other. Another one doesn't. Over and over again. Look at verse 5. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. You see that? So what that means is that there's going to be some people who are fully convinced that having a drink is the worst thing in the world. And there'll be other people who say, well, drunkenness is a problem, but having a drink isn't. There'll be some people who are fully convinced that you should only be a vegetarian because that is the Garden of Eden diet and all this stuff. And there'll be other people who say, oh, no, no, unless you eat meat, you're weak in the faith. See, Paul assumes that within the church, each side is going to be fully convinced that it's going to be a settled belief of the mind and the heart. This is the way I ought to go. Fully convinced. And the reality is, is that what Paul says here is this. We all live Godward whether or not we exercise liberty. We all live Godward. We all live as unto the Lord, Godward, whether or not we exercise liberty. He says, look, if you eat, you eat and you give thanks to the Lord. And if you don't eat, you give thanks to the Lord. If you live, you live unto the Lord. And if you die, you die unto the Lord. So either way, for the body of Christ, our primary way of living is to the Lord. We live as unto the Lord, whether you do or don't. So if you're here today and you're like, look, I like tattoos, then I would say you get a tattoo as you get unto the Lord. And if someone's here says, I would never get a tattoo. I think that's gross looking then you do that as unto the Lord. But the reality is, is whether you do or don't, each person is doing it as unto the Lord, and that's what God is looking for. That is what God is desiring. That's what he's desiring. Now, as we continue forward in verse 9, it says this, For to this end Christ died and rose again, 
and lived again, that he might be the Lord's of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. Here you go. You will give account for your life to the real judge. That's what these verses mean. You will give account for your life to the real judge. Do you see what he says here? He says, whatever we do, we're living Godward, whether we do it or we don't do it. And then he says, for to this end, Christ died and rose again and lived again, that he might be the Lord, both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. See, when you live your life Godward, whether you exercise or don't exercise your liberty, you will give an account for that life before the real judge. Before the real judge, before the one who has the ability to say this was good and this wasn't good. This was sinful and this was not. We have to remember that. God loves you and I enough to actually care about what's going on in our lives. God realized that the way that we live has eternal ramifications, not only for ourselves, but for everybody around us. You know, there's all these movies that come out now where it's like if one thing in the movie changes, it changes the whole outcome of history. There's lots of these movies. They have people trying to, you know, go back in time and change an event and all this stuff. I was just watching a movie recently. It wasn't a really good movie. It was more like a B or a C movie. But the idea was is that somebody was coming back from the future to observe all these huge catastrophes that happened. I forget the name of it. It was like kind of like, oh, come on. You guys could have done a better job than that. But the reality was is that a guy in the present found out about all of these different catastrophes and started to try and thwart them. And what was interesting is as he thwarted one of these catastrophes, it radically affected the future where the population explosion and this guy invented this thing that caused this problem. And it was wild. See, but the reality of that movie is that everything you do has eternal ramifications. The way we live and move in this world affects everybody. Do you think about that? You know, if you think about it, like imagine one day you're just drinking your can of soda and you decide you're done with it, you decide to throw it out the window. Right? And it gets thrown out the window and ends up on the side of the road. And then it ends up getting picked up as garbage. And that garbage gets thrown in the sea. And all of a sudden, the last sea lion eats that can and dies. And then all of a sudden, we find out that the blubber from this extinct sea lion could cure cancer. And then you think to yourself, all for a can of soda? It's an awful example, if we're honest. And I just made it up right now. It just popped into my head. That's what, you know, go figure. <laughs> but I'm using that as an example to show you that what you do has an impact. That the world is impacted by our actions. 
And God realizes that and God holds us accountable for our lives because as his kids, his body and blood, the church and the world, we are meant to be ambassadors for Christ. Ambassadors. And each one of us is going to give an account before the real judge. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. See, what that means is that each person's life is going to be revealed on the last day. What it is. Now, we know this is not judgment unto salvation, but this is kind of, this is the rewards of our lives. Now, I would love to wax eloquently about the rewards and how that all works, but the Bible doesn't tell us enough. All we do know is that at the judgment seat of Christ, all of our works will be tried with fire to see of what sort they are. Now, how that plays in eternity, I don't know. I just know that that's how it goes. And I don't want to spend my whole life working for things that when I stand on that day and it burns away as wood, hay, and stubble. What good is it to have this life given by God and when it gets tried before the lamb, it turns out just to be kindling? We need to live our lives that when we stand before Jesus and he tries the lives that we live, we find gold and silver and precious stones, something of value to him. But the reality is, is that each one of us are going to give an account before our lives before the real judge. And we need to live our lives with that reality, that God sees what I'm doing. God knows me. He sees my heart. Everyone else may think I'm one thing, but God knows who I really am. I've heard it this way. Reputation is what men think we are. Character is who God knows we are. And for many of us, we are so concerned with our reputation and we have such little care for our character when really it should be flipped around. Because I guarantee if you are concerned with your character, God's going to take care of your reputation. Amen. We're going to give an account for our lives before the real judge. And, you know, he quotes here Isaiah 45, 23. As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. Do you see that? Because the person sitting next to you, because if you don't like tattoos, the person with tattoos, because they're going to give an account for their life to God, don't judge them. And if you love having a glass of wine with dinner or whatever, and somebody's like, oh, no, you shouldn't do that. That's really sinful. Because they don't exercise that liberty, don't judge them either. In the end of the day, each person is going to give an account before God. So don't judge each other. Now notice, at the end of verse 13, and then moving on, Paul shifts the argument now. Because we've made a strong case that each person gives an account before God. We are God's servant. It's only what God thinks matters, all this. But then in verse 13, he says... Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. I know, verse 14, and I'm convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. 
Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, don't let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. So he made a strong case. Don't judge other people because everyone should be living before God and God's going to give an account. But then he says, don't judge one another and don't stumble each other either. Could it be so easy to say, I live before God. Who cares what you think, right? I live before God. I'm God's servant. Don't bother me. But the reality is, is there is a possibility or a potential that in our liberty, we could put a stumbling block in front of somebody. We might cause somebody to trip and fall. We might provoke somebody to temptation. So these verses teach us this, that the law of love trumps the law of liberty. The law of love trumps the law of liberty. Paul just made a glorious case for liberty in Christ. And then he reminds you, listen, loving your brother trumps your own exercise of liberty. That's what he says here. Because look at what he says. Don't put a stumbling block. Don't cause somebody to fall. Even though, Paul says, it's all clean. There's no unclean food. Right? So Paul agrees with the libertine that there's nothing unclean. But then he says, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Now, What this means is that we all, in the exercise of our Christian liberty, should be concerned about how other people are doing because of the liberty that we have. And the reality is, is that does not place us under the thumb of every person's preference. Instead, it's like, can I stumble somebody by what I'm doing? Like, you know, Pastor Bill likes his gardening. You know, I like his gardening too because they're pretty pictures. I just don't have to do it, you know. But Pastor Bill sent me a website called Plant Amnesty. And their whole thing is that it is wrong to overprune your garden. <laughs> and you think to yourself, like are, you, like, are you kidding me? Like, if I cut away too much of my shrubbery, someone's going to come and say, that was not very loving of you. Now, it's an absurd example, but it is an example. I mean, when I first got here, people were like, you know, Pastor Daniel needs to cut his hair because godly men wouldn't look that way. And you know what? And I can hear that. That's a preference. But godliness has nothing to do with how long or short my hair is. See, my hairstyle is a preference. But in areas of Christian liberty, you can seriously stumble somebody. You can seriously stumble somebody. Let me give you an example. Let's say you you have the liberty to drink. And somebody who shows up at your house has an alcohol problem. That context, you could stumble that person by your liberty in front of them. So, most glorious aspect of Christian liberty is the liberty not to partake when you can because you love somebody more than your own liberty. See that? Amen. Think about this. Think about this. You have the liberty to know you have the liberty and choose not to 
because you love somebody else more. And we know the greatest of these in God's kingdom is what? Is love. So in the reality of having liberty in Christ, we need to make sure that the law of love trumps the law of our own liberty. Because that's the way God would have it. We do not want our good, our opportunity to have liberty to be seen as evil because we are taking our liberty and stumbling somebody else. So in areas of conscience, preference, liberty, context ends up meaning everything. The context in which you do it, in one context, it's one thing. And I really believe as a pastor here, I don't believe that pastors should be, you cannot have a drink. That's an area of conscience. But I think a pastor, like all Christians, need to be, if you do feel that liberty, need to be very careful of the context that you do those things in. Very careful. And I think that's true for a lot of things. Like with tattoos, you know, someone said, oh, you know, I love Christian tattoos. I always say, look, it's a lot easier to get a tattoo of the cross on your body than to wake up every day, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. It's a lot easier to write a scripture in a tattoo on your body than it is to live that scripture out day in and day out. It doesn't exclude it. But the reality is, is actually walking these things out is a lot harder, isn't it? So we need to remember the law of liberty is trumped by the law of love. And that's what these verses say. And then finally, look at verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, we see a therefore, what do we say? What's it there for? I love that. Let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but if it is evil for the man who eats with offense, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves, but he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Here you go. My closing exhortation. You should be more passionate for the discipleship of others than our own liberty. We should be more passionate about the discipleship of others than our own liberty. See what he says here? He says, look, you stand before God. Whatever you do, you do unto the Lord, whether you do it or not. You're going to give an account for your life. But if you stumble your brother, that's not love. And the law of love trumps the law of liberty. And then he says this, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. That's discipleship language. That's the language of discipleship. When we become a disciple of Jesus, that word means a learner. When we follow Jesus, then peace comes. Peace with God and the peace of God. And let us pursue seeing people be at peace with God and with themselves and with others, and edification. That means building up, growing up, supporting, helping. And Paul says, look, in your liberty, be more passionate about discipleship 
than about the exercise of your own liberty. Because look what he says. He's like, look, if you eat, if you drink, if whatever you do, if it stumbles your brother, then that is a sin. So the question for us in our liberty is simply this. Whose glory is it for? And God is glorified that we bear much fruit and that we encourage others to bear fruit. And in any way, our exercise of liberty, if it causes someone to be torn down or weakened in their faith, then it shows that we are not as passionate about what God is passionate about. Because God is passionate about each one of us being part of his solution for the world, which is the church that is bringing the kingdom on a daily basis until Jesus comes and inaugurates it in full. So with these areas of liberty... If you feel the liberty, then enjoy it. If you do not feel the liberty, then enjoy not doing it. For either one, if it stumbles somebody else, don't do it. If, if you're sitting here today and being like, look, I had an alcohol problem. Now Pastor Daniel's saying I can have a drink. But I had an alcohol I'd say stay a million miles away from it. Whatever your areas of struggle are, do not let Christian liberty be an opportunity to sin against the Almighty One. So we have to be able to realize, I need to stay a million miles away from these things. Do not violate your conscience. See, some people had issues with what I said because I said we're a Christian church. As if sin doesn't cross party lines. As if grace doesn't cross party lines. See, all I was saying is this, is that Jesus saves sinners, and there's sinners everywhere. Every single one of us, whatever your affiliation is. If your conscience in your voting is violated, then don't vote to violate your own conscience. Same thing with Christian liberty. If you have a check in your spirit, don't do it. Make a different decision. We actually believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit who will keep his children right where he wants them. You don't need my help. The Holy Spirit will lead his people. And if in these areas of Christian liberty, if you have a check, I'm not sure if I should do it, don't do it. Whatever is done, not of faith, is sin. So don't do it. Don't go anywhere near it. Don't let liberty that is bought for you in Christ, if it's going to stumble, you just stay away from it. But whichever side of these things you come out on, brothers and sisters, I encourage you, don't judge each other. Love each other. Learn to be family. And I hope that the person in here who thinks tattoos are just the worst. I hope, and the family might see you hugging on somebody who's all tatted out. Brothers and sisters, together under the blood of Jesus because of the finished work of the cross. See, we live in a day and age, everybody wants to be pasteurized. I just want to feel comfortable around people like me. And the reality is, is as a church, we're an intergenerational church. We have older people and younger people. We have certain people who had pictures like me in the 60s and you look like that and the late 60s, and the 70s. And there's others of us that you have a yearbook picture and it's like you're junior high and you're junior high right now. There's going to be differences in perspective, in preference, in conscience. But either way, we want to learn how to be family. With all of us together. And we're all growing by the grace of God. Amen? Jesus is We're all entitled to our opinions when it comes to topics like appearance and drink, as long as we've sought Jesus in the process. 
Pastor Daniel today cautioned us, however, to not let our personal preferences stumble another. We must always love others first. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Thanks, Tracy. We also want to encourage every Jesus Is Real radio listener to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry. We've purchased time on this radio station, and this message has been professionally produced. This all comes at a cost. For anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio with a gift of $25 or more through the month of August, we'll send you a handmade leather bracelet with the word real on it. This bracelet was designed to be a helpful reminder to pray for Jesus Is Real Radio. Check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner to support Jesus Is Real Radio. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel talks about the biblical law and how it applies to our lives today as born-again Christians. Some people feel they still need to justify themselves to God even after Jesus' death has set them free. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled, Really. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.